This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to your latest episode of the World's Best Construction Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Sablono. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Liam and Luke. Let's come to Liam first this week. Hey, dear mate. Doing good, mate. Doing good. Very much looking forward to uh, breaking up for the Christmas break in a couple of days. I can't wait just to have uh, just some chill time, you know? Just going to relax for yeah. two weeks. Obviously, do. Obviously, I am working in between. Obviously, mate, I will be online hastily added it in hastily <laughs> added it in I'm, I'm working <laughs> ready for a 40 degree beach Christmas then oh maybe mate I, it's, it's, to be honest I, I don't really I'm not a big advocate of talking about the weather every week which we seem to do but uh, it's actually <laughs> I'm a British, raining I'm a British guy I'm allowed to do that okay? <laughs> I know mate it's my thing <laughs> it's um, I think it's raining on Christmas day sunny every day afterwards 28 30 degrees um, rainy Christmas day but you know it's all good mate um I just plan on doing Christmas Day with uh, my partner's massive, crazy Italian family, eating heaps of food, and then chilling out at the beach for a few days. Nice. Oh, I wonder where mm. that was going then, as if he answered it. But anyway, he's, he's clarified it, which was good. They don't listen, mate. It's fine. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. I was, uh, I was up London on Saturday, went to uh, the British Museum, which was really good, mm-hmm. really fun, and actually not that busy. It's one of the best visits I've ever had at the British Museum. I love I love a cheeky museum visit. Do you ever get a chance to mooch around a museum, Fred? Less so since I've had children. Uh, mm. I'm mostly just cramming into the Natural History Museum in half term. But uh... Yeah, classic. <laughs> classic. But that's good. That is... like an empty museum is a nice, nice thing massively mate massively well we went in the summer and it was just it was just too busy too hot there's not air conditioning because it's like the crazy old building and we were like now nah, well let's long this off went on saturday it was really good but then uh we ended up in central you know just walking through like soho oxford street and um i like to go to a, a waxy o'connor's you know this pub in in central do you know it liam liam's just head just Been like here, mate yeah. <laughs> the one with the tree you know the yeah. one with the tree and that yeah classic classic and uh, it was just it the whole place was just so busy and outside it took you ages to just walk like a few meters it wasn't nice fred it was no, not enjoyable mate that part of london like oxford street i can't i can't bear oxford street oh. sorry for any businesses in oxford street but for me it's just like it desperately needs to be pedestrianized it's yes. so so busy and yeah, but yeah, I swear it's got busier. Yes, I yeah. swear it's got busier. <laughs> like since when I was a kid, I swear it wasn't as bad as that. Well, we've think. got older and less tolerant. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe yeah, yeah. 
I've been told that I've, uh, as I'm getting older, I'm getting more grumpy. You know, I'm like, well, that's what life's about, isn't it? That's what we're allowed to do. That's our <laughs> national sport, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I saw as well. I saw on TikTok a video of um, this this lass in Sydney complaining about the rental market and it going crazy. And I saw this line of people queuing up for this tiny flat in Sydney. And I thought, well, you know, Liam, he's only added to the problem. He should have lived in Margate. (laughs) (laughs) And I've said it before, and I've said it before, but, you know, you're you're adding to a crisis, Liam, mate. Yeah, mate, I think think it's pretty bad. I obviously, I don't rent, um, but I think I saw the same video before I jumped on the podcast, mate, and it's like someone looking up the stairs, people coming down. It's like 30 people. Um, It's a lot of people. Yeah. I think it's yeah it's 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 uh I think it's quite hard to get a flat here. I think you have to you have to sort of push above the the asking price to try and secure a spot. Hmm. At that stage, it's surely just luck of the draw, isn't it? Or, or you must know someone on the inside to get the place. Like, I assume crazy, so, man. Yeah, I yeah. assume you, once you get a flat, you just lock that in as well. You try not to leave unless you've secured another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it about Bondi Beach that appealed to you more than Margate, mate? Can you? <laughs> Can you narrow it down um, at all? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we know, you have a certain uh, certain appeal for certain beaches in, <laughs> in the history of established. You have a certain <laughs> penchant <laughs> for little coves, little coves here and there. We'll come back to that later on. Guys, we've got a banging episode coming up for you today. We've got the secret architecture of America's $1 billion fortress, its new embassy in London. We're talking about an infinity pool inside a baseball stadium over in South Korea and London's new H1 office development. Whole thing, as ever, is going to be festively sprinkled with some architecture analysis and construction commentary from the week and some of your comments from across social media. Let's do it. Let's get cracking. Let's go. First this week, we're talking about the secret architecture of America's $1 billion fortress, a video that came out on the B&M recently and went down an absolute storm. Now, in case you don't know, opened back in 2018, the US Embassy in Vauxhall, London, is not just America's home away from home. It's the embodiment of the special special, special diplomatic relationship between the US and UK and the seat of one of the most coveted ambassadorial positions in the world, being the US ambassador to Britain is a cushy job. You get a nice embassy, you get a very nice uh, property over at Winfield House in Regent's Park. It's an easy gig. But building this state-of-the-art facility was anything but diplomatic, as we found out in this video. Now, we're going to wind it back a bit into some history of the US Embassy in London. But first of all, hot takes, guys. Hot or not, good or bad, did you enjoy this video? (laughs) What did it do for you, Luke? The video is great. It's a classic Ian yeah, it's Liam Parkin. <laughs> you can just tell. You can tell. Uh, it really, really, really good video, mate. What an ugly building. Oh, what an ugly... I, I can't it, stand it. it there's, what there's have bits they done? Of it, there's bits of it that you're like, oh, I see the vision. Like, that's cool. But then there's other bits where you're like, oh, mate, this could be an office building just, like, plonked into Milton Keynes or something. You know, mm. it's just... it's It doesn't scream... USA does it at all apart from the big USA flag outside it no yeah touche <laughs> touche good point no, but no, I, <laughs> I'm being serious I know what you mean the other one the old one which they just moved out of yeah over in West London 
looked very American. It screamed US Embassy, yeah. Well, it was designed by a, um, in the video you say, like a Finnish American architect, his name escapes me, but um, yeah, you could tell. And even uh, they got a fat off eagle at the top. You're like, oh yeah, Americans, <laughs> you know, doing their American thing. You know, it's, it's, it was amazing. But yeah, I don't know, mate, this is, it's okay. It's okay. I don't think it's as bad as what you think it is though, Fred, because I know you despise this building. I, I don't, don't so despise it. It's just, it doesn't, oh. it doesn't stand out for me as a US embassy. It just looks like, like you say, it's a bit like an office building. It could be a WeWork. If you told me that's a, that's a shared office space. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Makes makes sense. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're going for. Anyway, we're going to get into, guys, how America ended up kind of uh, downgrading its embassy in the UK, really, certainly architecturally. A um, bit of history for you to talk you through how all this happened. Uh, embassies take up a good old chunk of the best real estate in London. They really are some very well-located uh, properties and locations. Uh, but the U.S. diplomatic mission, the U.S. embassy, literally had one of the best deals of all. Now, pull out your uh, classic Monopoly board, and you'll know that Mayfair is the most expensive square on the whole of the London Monopoly board. And Grosvenor Square, in the heart of Mayfair, is where the U.S. has had its base for centuries, to the point where it was even dubbed Little America, right? So winding back to 1785, when Joe Biden first ran for office, Joe... <laughs> Sorry, I've got to stop with the button. I can't stop with the Biden digs. I'm right. It's just old and it's easy. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, if you're listening. But anyway, back in 1785, John Adams moved into a house on the square and became the first ever US ambassador to Britain. Since then, Grosvenor Square has hosted uh, two former embassies. And during World War II, it housed the European headquarters of the US Army and the US Navy. But then, in 1960, they moved into this uh, Aerosarin design, which is the Finnish-American architect Aerosarin, uh, specially designed, purpose-built embassy on the west side of the square. And that is the... When you look at it and you, and you realise it's the US embassy, you realise that it could not be a more American-looking building if it tried. The architecture, the big old gold eagle on top, uh, just the kind of the aura it gives off is very, very USA. Uh, it was built back at a time when the US had reached its superpower status. It evoked a country showing this kind of very bold confidence overseas. Um, yeah, and certainly, certainly, you know, did the job of presenting American presence in London. Um, interesting story about how it came about. So most embassies around the world are, they're bought freehold. So actually they will buy and own the land on which the embassy is built. But in London, particularly in West London, most of it is done leasehold. So they take out like a long-term lease on the building, but the actual freehold ownership is owned by this guy called the Duke of Westminster. That's actually a role that's been passed down generations, but the Duke of Westminster has always owned a lot of land in and around West London. I think he's one of the richest people in the UK. Uh, When the US tried to buy this land in Mayfair to build their embassy on back in the 1950s, the Duke said that he would only give them the land if America gave back his ancestral land that was confiscated off him after the American War of Independence. Uh, <laughs> in case you're wondering, that's now Miami. That whole area that he wanted back was Miami. Obviously, the US said no, uh, but then the Duke offered a lease of with an annual rent of one peppercorn. And Ian was telling me there's like this big annual ceremony where America would present this peppercorn to the Duke of Westminster in like a little gold dish and everything. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Yeah, anyway, that is how. So America basically leasing a piece of land 
uh, in West London off the Duke of Westminster, like many, many people. Uh, fast forward, this, this was America's embassy for you know, the second half of the 20th century, very comfortably. But security started to become a big issue after 9-11. They spent $15 million on a security upgrade, which created this very imposing uh, ring of bollards around the site, which when you combined it with this huge fence I had around it, uh, you know, didn't make the most inviting building. Um, but you know, even that couldn't really save it. It, it. it emerged that the embassy was basically outgrowing the needs of the embassy were outgrowing the building it was in. You know, it couldn't cope with security, the scale, the resources it needed. So they decided to relocate it. And this is where the controversy comes in, because having been based in Mayfair in West London, they decided mm. to move to Vauxhall. Now, if you're not from London, you'll know that um, Vauxhall's nice, but it's a little bit further down the Monopoly board than Mayfair. I'm right in saying that, Luke, right? Yeah, well... Yeah, just a little bit, mate. It's chalk and cheese, you know. It's um, the dig to SAF London, Fred, was <laughs> tremendous. And I loved that you had like burning, what is it like burning rubbish? And you were like, oh, don't, this is South London. You go, oh, don't, only joking, this isn't South London. And for a split second, like a, like half a second, you say, it's Birmingham. <laughs> you go, don't worry, it's not South London, it's Birmingham. I loved that. That was one of the highlights of my of of the video, and that is what I wrote down, bang in the middle of my notes here. So lots of people well in Birmingham have uh, taken that on the chin, understood it's just good old <laughs> British banter. So it's all good. I had some lovely messages about it. Just to distance myself, even though I signed off this video, to distance myself, that was Jim Casey in the edit. Oh, so. classic. <laughs> there, classic! There you go, Jim. Jim. Have that, mate. <laughs> Oh, so it's not yeah. just it's yeah. not just that America up up sticks and moves to Vauxhall, right? There was actually yeah. this massive new development going on, which again, you guys will know about this if you followed the Bill and M over the last few years. But there's this huge new city district size development going on between Battersea Power Station, so the rebuilding uh and renovation of Battersea Power Station, all the way up the south bank of the river, up to where the MI6 building is in Vauxhall. That is called the the Nine Elms area, Nine Elms Generation District. It's yeah. on a par with, uh, if you're in the US, things like Hudson Yards, you know, massive redevelopment areas like that. It's actually it's far bigger than Hudson Yards. It runs for miles up the side of the river. Um, that's where the US decided to relocate to. There was an opportunity there to rebuild a very large building in the heart of a new, newly planned, new designed sea district. They had a lot more, it was more a blank sheet. They had a lot more authorship around what the building could look like. Now, this yeah. decision was taken under Barack Obama's administration, uh, but there was a big, it was a big shock to many people, right? Many people were against the idea, uh, including one Donald Trump, who tweeted about it, uh, called it an off location, which I think's forever been, a, it's just forever now linked to Vauxhall. It's, He's it's not just, wrong. He's not no. wrong. Like compared to where they were, yeah. Like, come on, come yeah. on. He was pretty annoyed. So he refused, obviously Donald Trump is like the king of real estate, right? So he he refused to open it, refused to come to London, cancelled a trip to London, and sent uh, the then Secretary of State Rex Tillerson instead to open the London building in 2017. Uh, now the new embassy was paid for by the sale of the old embassy and some other real estate that the US owned in London, and they put uh, roughly circa 800 million dollars into the building. Uh, the actual building itself, and then the further upgrade and fit out inside took the whole thing to a billion dollars. It's a billion dollar building. It's a lot of money. Doesn't look like a billion dollar building. 
<laughs> no. Make a whoosh building. Does not. <laughs> Make a whoosh. <laughs> I'm with Fred. I can't stand it. I think it's one of the ugliest buildings. It's probably the ugliest building in London for me. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Even the the exterior, the 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 greenery, the grass area, and the the moat, I suppose. It's just I don't know. It's just it's very dull, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if even if dull is the I mean, of course it's all subjective, but I don't even think dull's the uh the, the right word. I just don't think it's been executed properly. Like the quality of the materials used, it just it's funny that we've all said. Uh, look, Fred's laughing because he's like, "I'm about to say what well, I'm gonna. I'm trying to go around my usual, my Talk usual about vocabulary. The cladding, Luke. Yeah, I'm talking about the cladding. But <laughs> even nearby, you've got kind of some developments. You like, oh, do you know what? That's pretty. You know, that's pretty snazzy. And then you've got these brick buildings, these apartment buildings that look, you know, look decent. But they've just decided the developer, probably Ballamore, is probably decided to slap these like y- bright yellow bits of cladding just randomly on these broke buildings and it just it the area doesn't it doesn't scream luxury does it and it doesn't scream history and i think the point here is like you know they've moved from you, you talk about areas like mayfair belgravia kensington really uh, iconic beautiful parts of london and you've moved there the US, this is America, man. Like yeah. I don't know. I think there was this. There's two things. There was this promise of this vibrant new district, and I have to say, the renders of Nine Elms and the story of Nine Elms looked amazing. What's been built is not amazing. The restoration of the power station is incredible. Yeah, but the buildings around it, and especially the further you go up towards Vauxhall and MI6. The buildings are terrible. They've been thrown up. There's no- nothing looks good. It's like where architecture goes to die. It is, yeah. it's, I'm actually going to say it's the worst architectural corner Oof. of London. Oh, certainly the UK, possibly Europe. It really Oof. is a oh, bad know, looking mate. area. I the don't know about that. Terrible. Mate. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I get, you know, the US, I think they were sold a dream. There's this big new area being built, come on being here, and you've got a blank sheet you can design you know, your custom built, nice and secure embassy. Yeah. But yeah, there's the opposite the embassy is the sky pool, which is is this open air glass bottom pool about seven, eight stories up between two very mediocre buildings. And that's supposed to be like a big like news grabby thing. And it's pretty novel when you look at it, but it was chucking it down with rain and three degrees when I was there. It's an outdoor pool in Vauxhall, you know, like it's just done to make headlines. It's not been again. That wasn't executed very well. I didn't think so. Not a fan I'm surprised of they didn't um, go to East London. You know, to Docklands. You know, City Hall's moved there. I think that would have been a like a more appropriate location. But I suppose it's a bit far from you know, like Mayfair and the other embassies, maybe and other diplomatic yeah. places, possibly. It is worth saying with this, like j- just across the river from Nine Elms and where this embassy is, you're into. Pimlico, Victoria, yeah, Chelsea, Palace, other embassies, yeah. Westminster. You are quite close to MI6 here. I know that you know, intelligence no. services work quite close together. <laughs> I imagine quite a bit of this budget went on some kind of secret underground CIA station or something. We just don't know. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. not a fan, not a fan. And I'm not just picking on the embassy. I, I as I said, I guys, if. Go and walk around this area of London. It's not a good... The architecture's not good. It's cheap and it's thrown up. I really do. I really believe that. It looks terrible. 
That was one of the first things you told me when you uh, when I come to the office and you're like, oh, this is our office. And we were facing that part of London. And you went, oh, Nine Elms. And you looked at me and you were like, where architecture goes to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was a mic drop moment. But I was like, I was like, yes. I was like feeding into it. Yes, yeah, he's right. Yeah, not yeah, good. It is, not good. It is a bit rough, mate. It is a bit ropey. Anyway, construction on this new embassy began back in 2013. Uh, the building is a huge cube, a huge big glass cube, perched on top of an artificial hill, which is a nod to old-style Motton Bailey castles, while also attempting to represent the rock-solid nature of American democracy. And when you walk up to it, it is, it is a big cube on a hill, and it is very imposing. Mm. Um, now, the building is very different to the one in West London, right? Because the one in West London I described, you've got security cameras, you've got bollards, you've got traffic closed streets, you've got massive fence. It's the typical kind of you know US embassy abroad that you might picture. This one's very open. It's very inviting. It looks like you could walk straight up to it. But that's because it's been designed in such a way to hide all of its security features. So to prevent, sort of project this feeling of being open and inviting and light and airy and creating views out for people but what you can't see is there's lots of hidden features that prevent you getting anywhere near this building so there's this spiraling park spiraling rising park of american and british trees surrounding the building that's you know ostensibly a deliberate nod to the english tradition of urban parks but it also helps create this 100 foot clear perimeter around the building to cushion the building from blasts and provide a clear line of sight in and out for security services, which is really interesting. There's no perimeter fence, but instead you've got on the northern edge this sort of uh, hedgerow, but inside the hedge are a load of anti-vehicle bollards on the street side. So anything that tries to drive through to the embassy is going to collide with these bollards. If anything does get through that, there's then this uh, meadow grass which ramps down towards the building and into this eight-foot moat that surrounds it. <laughs> You've then got these entrance pavilions. So the entrance to the embassy is through these little pavilions, but they're built out and away from the embassy. So you check in and have your security check there, away from the building, before you then enter the perimeter and walk towards the, the big cube in the middle. And on the south side, you've got this rising meadow uh, with like a concrete wall around it, which is nicely designed as seating, but actually doubles as a vehicle barrier. And then there's these hidden trenches around the whole building as well, uh, known as ha-ha walls, which is where basically you have sort of... Uh, a, it's the creation of a wall inside a ditch so that you prevent uh, blocking the view, but you still create an impenetrable barrier for traditionally livestock, in this case, people, terrorists, people trying to get in, you know, that kind of stuff. So some very clever design features here. It's not an easy building to go up to or access at all, but you wouldn't know that from looking at it, which is pretty clever, right? Mm. It is, mate. It is a castle. A massive castle. How do you get onto it? Is there like a bridge? Like what's, you know, how does that work? So, yeah, that's a good question. These pavilions, uh, there is a path once you get through the pavilion, and the pavilion is not very inviting, right? You've got bulletproof glass, you've got security check, airport checks inside, you've got blokes of machine guns standing outside it. Once you get through there, there is a pathway <laughs> up to the embassy. Um, there is actually a vehicle gate as well on the southern side, I think it is, southeastern side. Um, but again, you can imagine that's got rising bollards, vehicle barriers. But through there, it goes to like an underground car park and that secret CIA station that we're imagining exists. Straight up. Straight up. 
Liam, would you have to go to um, the Aussie or New Zealand um, embassy while you were in London? Or you, was that all pretty drama-free? Uh, I've got a British passport, mate. I'm British. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. That's one of the first things you told me. Because you're mum or something, isn't it? Right? Or Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, right. the Australian oh. High Commission is a lovely building in London. Is it? It is. Very exterior. Nice. Well, exterior mm. looks great, doesn't it? On the What's this on Fleet Street? Yeah, it's on, on the Strand, I think. Very close mm. to Fleet Street. Yeah, Australian High Commission. Oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, that, that <laughs> kind of looks embassy. like an embassy to me. You know what I mean? It's like very grand. It's just, it's just beautifully like presented. That's how mm. I think the American embassy would look. Then the US embassy. When I first went to London, when I was like eighteen, I randomly stumbled upon it, just like walking around London, and I was absolutely blown away, just by like how big and broad it is. You know what I mean? You're standing mm. down there. You've got a huge, like you're saying earlier, that huge eagle on top, and you've just got this big concrete, you know, big, beautiful, like, brickwork exterior yeah. on it. Yeah. You know the classic, the classic 1960s US embassy that you see in different cities around the world, even in the Middle East and stuff with the big old fences around it, you know, and the, and the guard towers and everything. Um, yeah, this is – I just can't go ahead around this. It's a, it's the biggest embassy in the UK, definitely the biggest and boldest embassy in the UK. Who, who, it just played, doesn't look who played Batman? What's his name? I'm getting to something on this, right? Like, who <laughs> name me some? Not Christian Bale, the guy after Christian Bale, Ben Affleck. Ba- ben Affleck. He's in a film where Argo. they are Fargo, yeah, Argo. Mm, that's a bit and of a different a- embassy. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't going to bring up the, uh, the Iranian, <laughs> the Iranian storming of the U.S. embassy in Iran, Tehran, under President Tehran. Carter. But well, yes. there was even there was even the uh, the the Iranian embassy in London, right? You know, yeah. That, that, I remember my dad telling me that as a bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, this this I wasn't going to bring it up, but you brought it up now, anyway, Luke. This yeah. embassy, the the old U.S. embassy in London, the nineteen sixties one, does look rather similar to the one in Tehran in terms of the the layout, the style, uh, sort of mid rise buildings, the architecture, oh, wow. yeah. Um, obviously that one is a bit of a different story. Good film, Argo. Very good story about how you know the embassy becomes evacuated and then they smuggle these people out of the country by posing mm. as Canadian film crew. Yeah, it's incredible. Incredible story. Superb film. Superb film. Yeah, big fan of that. Big fan of that. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, I, th- I think the consensus is that it feels like the US deserves better. But I, I, I suppose the caveat to that is that as a country, for many reasons, like you said, the US is, 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 a, is a genuine superpower, it is going to attract a lot of protest, a lot of, a lot of action, right? Just in general, it just, it's, it's just that's a fact. It's going to happen, especially in the UK. And yeah, they, they outgrew the building. Their, their options probably weren't, they probably didn't have a lot of options, did they? They needed to build something new, something with a moat, <laughs> and something that they could defend if there were, if there was ever a zombie apocalypse, mate. U.S. Embassy, pretty safe place to guard, imagine. Yeah, I have to say, like for balance, I think it is. There's a lot of architectural effort that's gone into it, right? I think the the landscape and design is very clever because you've done yeah. away with those huge, imposing, very traditional, straightforward fences, and created something that does feel open. It creates green space in the heart of the city. 
but but still blends it with hidden security features, which is very clever. Mm. The building itself is interesting. It's a big old glass cube. It just, it, for me, it hasn't gone beyond regular office development to Embassy of the United States in London. Yeah, which, Milton yeah, Keynes. Doesn't make Milton sense. Keynes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, let us know what you think about this. There was a very cool story about the US Embassy up on our YouTube channel, proving very, very popular analysis on the history uh some of the security features around it which is awesome but let us know what you think is it a good piece of architecture is it not would you have designed it what could they improve get your comments coming in podcast at the b1m.com So today's episode is sponsored by Sublono. Sublono Track Free is a real-time tracker that's connected directly to your construction site and it's completely free. You can save time by reporting on-site from your phone, simply record updates once from the Sublono app and watch your desktop tracker automatically sync. Replace disjointed spreadsheets with a single tracker that connects all the moving parts of your project in real time. Track Free helps you understand progress data in moments from a bird's eye project overview to all the granular details. You can even filter your view by deliverable and add supporting documents, photos, and notes. And if you're tired of chasing for updates, I know I am, invite your team to two times your productivity. You can collaborate with subcontractors and project partners seamlessly from a single source of truth. So whether you're tracking piling, fit out, facades, the prefab package, structural work, fire stopping, or even the entire project, Sublono Track Free makes things simple. Guys, if you want to try this out for free, you can go and get started today at the link down there in the podcast description. They were actually used on one of my favorite projects. They were on the uh, Royal Atlantis Resort in, in Dubai. Oh, love that building. It's incredible. What right? a building. Yeah. Mm. I, I, it's one of those buildings where you've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. And it was built on like it's on the palm, which is already an eye-catching destination. Next to that other Atlantis building with the crazy water park. Yeah, so I think it's Cone Pedersen Fox designed. But yeah, Atlantis the Royal. Love it. Superb. Superb building. Very jealous. You usually drop a factoid, Fred, about that building. About that was nice. Beyonce, but <laughs> nice is hit up for me, Luke. Did you yeah. know, guys, this building was opened by Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> they actually did a, I'm not getting this right, I think they paid like 10 million quid or something for a private Beyonce concert just for the opening ceremony. And there was there wow. were other massive names there as well. Like, yeah, and the light show you could see from space or something. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but it was a pretty incredible building. We actually got a picture of it up on our Instagram uh, under construction. I think it's just topped out back in mm. December 2020, so three mm. years ago. Yeah, amazing project. A complex project like that being aided by Sublono. Just to swing it back to the ad. You're you're welcome, guys. Uh, As a sort of thing you can achieve. Guys, don't forget to check out Sublono Track Free. The link is down there in the podcast description. And massive thanks to Sublono for sponsoring today's episode. Also in the news, we are heading over to Incheon, South Korea, where a new baseball stadium has been announced. But this is a baseball stadium and shopping mall combined. And the kind of headline image of this is an infinity pool, infinity swimming pool, with some guys in it having a swim, overlooking a baseball game in a packed baseball stadium. I've never seen anything like this, right? This is designed by DLA+. Plus. They reckon it's the uh, first time that a baseball stadium, a mall, and a hotel have been combined in this way because, you know, 
<laughs> no one else has uh, quite had this this vision before. But you've got this 21,000-seat baseball stadium being merged with the Starfield Shopping Mall and this high-end hotel. Uh, mixed use is how I described it. You can say that again. Goodness me, it's definitely mixed use. Crazy renders here. You've got, as I said, an infinity pool overlooking a baseball stadium packed with people. Uh, we've got hotel rooms where the rooms look out directly into a baseball stadium. I can imagine there's going to be some uh, couples having arguments about who booked that hotel room for that trip. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the whole thing is is just off the charts. Works due to complete in 2028. This is this is mental, right? It's incredible. Mm. Imagine just having a <laughs> having a swim in an infinity pool and watching a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> I've longed for years to do those two things at the same time, so I'm really pleased this has been built. Like, <laughs> amount of baseball games, so I'm just like, oh, I wish, I wish I was eating a hot dog in an infinity pool right now. It's like <laughs> the best thing ever. This is this this is just Saudi Arabia wishes it could do this. Yeah, <laughs> takes itself too seriously. South Korea's got its going. Like they they, they got it, mate. They know what's going on. It's it's a good idea. It, part of me thought, is it? Yeah, I genuinely think it's a good idea, Fred. I'm not just saying this. I think it's it's mental. It's wacky. It's wild, but I love it. Why not? It's like you know these sort of destination stadiums where, like the O2 in London, where there's not just mm. a, an arena where you go for a gig, but there's also uh, shops. There's things to do when you're there. So you there's go Nando's. Yeah, yeah, you go to that place for the day out. Same sort of thing with some stadiums in America. But this just takes it to a different. I have to say, when I first saw these pictures, I was like, "Oh, I wonder which." Uh, I started reading to find out which U.S. state it was being built in. But no, it's not America. South Korea. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize how big baseball was in that part of the world until recently. Like Japan <laughs> beat the U.S. In like a uh, in their the baseball equivalent of the World Cup, they're like the reigning champions of baseball. Can you believe mm. that Japan's like ahead of? That's crazy, isn't it? But um, yeah, I'm massive fan, mate. Massive fan of this. Love it, mate. On the pool, watching a dude hit a home run. Come on, love it. Don't get better. <laughs> I think it'll be it'll be a it'll be a big hit just because. Oh, pardon the pun. Yeah, uh, I think this will be a big hit just because the novelty factor. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the hotel will clean up just because you get to, get to go there. I can imagine someone booking a romantic weekend and then, yeah, you open the curtains in the hotel room and it's looking straight out into the baseball game. <laughs> 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 what have you done? Where's the view? Um, the comments are not not as warm as the conversation we're having here. Um, someone's saying this is the most America thing I've ever seen. Uh, looks like an idea from the 1990s. Clever idea, but I don't think people are going to enjoy it. Uh, and then the number one comment, which has got 170 likes uh, from Callum, says this is the most advanced expression of consumerist hypercapitalism I've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, not as not as warmly received on the comments, but pretty crazy. I've never seen a building like this. No, no, no. Also in the news, we're heading back over to London where the new H1 office development has been de- decided. Well, it's been announced, been agreed, been approved. Bit of a saga on this one. Um, I don't think it's going to be called H1. H1 is the plot name within the wider Elephant and Castle Elephant Park master plan. So, 
bit of a long story here, but this 18-story office development is now set to be constructed in South London. It was originally rejected by Southwark Council back in 2022 after more than 400 formal objections, uh, but it was then approved on appeal, on planning appeal, at the end of November 2023. As I said, it's called H1. It's being led by the contractor and developer Lendlease uh, as part of the wider £2.3 billion Elephant Park regeneration in South London. Uh, South London, I should say. Oh. Um, a lot of the opposition to this is because the original H1 site, so in, in the, the big old uh, outline master plan, plan information they gave to the enormous Elephant Park scheme in South London, this site was supposed to have housing on it. It's now been changed and moved into a larger office building. Now, what the developer's saying is that, look, we've built all these new homes, uh, we're creating a vibrant new area, and we need some office space for people in those homes. We can't just put even more homes down. People opposing it are saying, well, look, Elephant Park uh, sold off a load of council-owned affordable housing, demolished it, forcefully relocated people, and then built these very, very high-end expensive flats Mm. that no one can really afford who used to live in that community. So... What we really need in Elephant Park is some more affordable housing, not an office development. Uh, putting all the politics aside, I have to say, I quite like the building. It's not what you guys think. I think it's a bit of a looker. Massive fan, mate. Massive, massive, massive fan. Simple, um, not overcomplicated. The cladding, yeah, saying it again, is awesome. It is awesome. The finish is great. The pattern texture, great. Even even the leaves, yeah. Even the trees <laughs> and the which we which we love. It's not too over the top. It looks really good. I I think this is a great proposal, mate. You know, set aside you, you know what you said, the political stuff. I haven't got anything to add to that really um, right now. So yeah, I think uh, great development, Liam. Yeah, I th- I think it looks cool. Um, I love mm. the beamwork across the whole exterior yeah. and then the huge glass windows yeah i think it's, it's different it's eye-catching it's not another like u.s embassy glass box somewhere you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a better looking project and i know we've in the renders here there's the sun shining there's lots of very nice greenery dripping all over the building it's london and we're not gonna look like that but i think in the seventh of render we've popped up on instagram they've got this sort of view of it on a colder winter london night with uh you know the street and the bus stop and everything it does seem to fit pretty well so yeah i'm i like it as a building this is designed by acme architects uh as part of the lend lease you know consortium that's doing elephant park but yeah i can see why people are annoyed the whole the whole elephant park project is controversial and emotive for many many people completely understandably yes yeah, massive fan. This is this is uh, better than US Embassy, isn't it? If they no, had this yeah. on a little island, you'd be like, oh, yeah, solid, like that. Yeah. <laughs> on a yeah, little island. Win, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're at odds with our audience this week, guys, because uh, people are saying they love this too. There's no no comments about the, uh, you know, the, the affordable housing side or anything like that. People just say it looks really nice, should be built, looking forward to going ahead. Uh Yeah. Lots of lots of comments generally. There's one person saying Elephant Park's going to be unrecognisable in a few years' time. In my opinion, this doesn't really reflect the local area, if you ask me. So, yeah, fair enough. Any chance could be rejected again? I don't think so, because it's now been approved on appeal. Um, 
yeah so there's a there's a few sort of comments around that but mostly people saying they like the look of it nice building nice addition to the city so yeah, yeah. politics yeah. aside the architecture looks good swinging over to the uh, email inbox luke what have you got for us this week right i'm loving the old spotify comments mate at the moment and we, 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 and we keep getting like really cheeky regular ones, right? And we'll start with Robin. Robin said a few days ago, he said, I couldn't agree more. Your in-depth commentary, but yet clear to the point explanation of the absolute, wait for it, terribleness of the show Virgin River really resonated with me. Well done. <laughs> and thanks, B1M team. <laughs> oh, That's oh, so amazing. good. My partner's it, had that on has that on TV now. I just heard oh. the opening credits. Yeah, my brother Terrible. keeps telling me. My brother keeps saying, "I oh, watch it." I'm like, "What's it about?" And he goes, "That's the point. It's not really about anything." <laughs> what do you mean? What oh. do you mean? My, my other half, she was she was writing the Christmas cards on the sofa. Right? She was going through a big pile of Christmas cards on the sofa. She's just I was just stuck on in the background, just as background <laughs> TV. She stuck on the Virgin River Christmas special. <laughs> oh my. God, it's even How was it? worse. How it's was it? even worse. Than the, <laughs> the acting, the lighting, the, the the oh, the insincerity, the lighting. <laughs> nothing, nothing about it looks authentic. Does it? It's just oh. Um, Jace commented recently saying, "I had no idea you could comment on podcasts until listening to this episode. This changes things." Cheers, mate. Uh, Keegan. Said, I'm officially applying. <laughs> I'm officially applying for biggest fan of the podcast. After getting my Spotify rap back, I've listened to the pod for three and a half thousand minutes this year. Great episode once again, guys. Cheers from Edmonton, Canada. So Ooh. that's very sweet, isn't it? He's listened more than me. Well, I'm yeah, on it. yeah I know, right? Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, and this is, look, bear with me. This is the last one I'll read out because we've got, we've got more, but this is the last one. Rob, I, th- I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to go with something and I hope it lands. Rob, an- an- annals? Annals? A double L. Fred's laughing. A double N E L S. Annals. Right? Okay. Rob. Let's just call him Rob. Yeah. Rob gave us a good review and just said, not too shabby. So, pr- cheers, cheers, Rob. Appreciate that, mate. I love how Luke's like trying to hide the fact we've only got four listeners. Like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, there's more. There's, there's, we've got loads more. I just can't, can't read them all out of beer all day. Yeah, but they're all dedicated and they're all engaged. So, yeah. 100%. All four of them. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, lads. <laughs> we just get our whole listenership down the pub. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? Yeah. That'd be amazing. Asterix, we're not paying for anyone's flights. You can forget it. (laughs) You've got to make your own way to London. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Anyway, guys, get your your reviews coming in. Get your Spotify reviews coming in. Get your feedback coming in. I have to say, there's a very simple five-star button to press over on Spotify. Just press it. We're trying to get over it. I think we're at 299 five-star Lights. Uh, as of this it. morning, as of this morning, we're on three hundred. Oh, so I was going to ask them to break the big three hundred. Let's break yeah. four hundred before New Year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can like, can like have four listeners each press it like yeah. twenty five <laughs> times each? That would be, <laughs> be much appreciated. Uh, if you know anyone, guys, who hasn't pressed that button, or you want to spend some time creating a fake account to press that button, please do it. We would really appreciate that. <laughs> and we will see you next week for a very special episode of the podcast. 
massive thanks to Sablono for sponsoring today's episode. Don't forget you can find out more about Sablono Track 3 at the link down there in the description. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. But I missed out the little French C with the anchor. Right, here yeah. we go. I've got What's to that talk called? About. There's a special name for that. What? Mm. Little C with the bit underneath. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what is the C with the. Oh, it's going to kill, it's going to kill me. I know the umlaut is the little dots. A sedilla? Oh. Is that right? Anyway. Sedilla. Where, Sounds where like something this? I'd uh, smash at a taco belt, you know? <laughs> 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 some sort of bug you that's a cicada sorry <laughs> cicada it's cicada cicada oh gosh cicada. Like, a little, like a little cricket yeah. like a little grass it's called like a, a cricket, cicada cicada no